Good morning and welcome to your favorite Friday morning podcast, Conversations with Buddy, brought to you by The Wreck, way more than a bowling alley. We give you the ability to connect each week with our guests because we believe people matter, you matter. We are grateful to all the listeners who take the time each week to hear the stories of our guests. Please help us grow the show by taking a moment right now and subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts and give us a review. Our purpose of this podcast is to impact the world one testimony at a time. This morning, I am truly excited and grateful to introduce you to my guest, Jonathan Partridge. Welcome, Jonathan. Hello. Thanks for having me. Hey, great to have you here, man. Glad to be here. So you and I had coffee, I think, two or three months ago. Mm-hmm. That's right. Maybe before Thanksgiving. I don't know. I think so, in November. Yeah. It was really good, though. I really, it was awesome to get to know you and appreciate Bonnie Mileto referring you to us. And Yes. Shout out to Bonnie. Yep. Shout out to Bonnie, man. She's everywhere and she's awesome. So we had coffee that day and I learned a little bit about you and uh, we're going to dive into all all of who you are and what you're about. But uh, let's just talk about protein shakes. You said you had, you're had you a protein shake guy. Tell me about that. What, what, what does that mean? What time do you get up in the morning? I'm just curious. Well, my alarm clock is my two-year-old. Oh. Uh, I get up every weekday morning with him, uh, give my wife a chance to sleep as much as she can. What time is that? Uh, usually it's between 6.30 and 7. This week has been on the 6.30 side, okay. which, you know, That's I wish rough. it was 7. <laughs> but um, I'm someone who would sleep all the way till noon if given the opportunity. So uh, it's good that I have something to wake me to up wake in the morning up, yeah. and get me going. I don't drink coffee. So I've always been a like, just wake up naturally and yeah. hopefully get going as best I can. And uh, it's made it so that I don't really crash too bad later in the day and I don't need to have coffee to get yeah. going in the morning. Yeah. So that's helpful. But and you're not going to hold this against me because I'm drinking coffee? No, my wife loves coffee. Okay. We have a whole like fancy coffee maker at home that I know how to use, even though I don't ever use it for myself because uh, I'll make her coffee. But That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She wishes if there was one thing she could change about me, it's that I would drink coffee Come so on, she man. could enjoy it with me. But yeah, yeah. no, I like being able to get up just all natural and yeah. – uh, um, being able to be there with uh, Malcolm's our son. Yeah. Uh, he's a lot of fun and is nice and snuggly in the morning, which is awesome. Fun. And then, yeah, food-wise. Yeah, what, what type of protein do you the shake when you have that? What is that? I don't remember the brand. It's one that we get at Costco. It's whatever's cheapest yeah. that, that week. Yeah, okay. Um, but just the chocolate protein shake. And uh, I just found that that gets me uh, sustained in the morning yeah. and gets me all the way to lunch without feeling like I've got a pit in my stomach by got 10 it. o'clock. Got it. Are you going for any certain grams of protein or just? I don't really pay that much attention. Uh, my wife's really into that. She watched, She reads every single label we buy and I'm really grateful for her okay. for that because that's just never something that I've been really passionate about. That's funny. That's funny. Well, hey, let me, let me just introduce you real quick. We'll mm-hmm. kind of walk through uh, who you are and then we'll dive into the stories because you're a story guy. Yes. Okay. So you grew up in Renton, Washington and came to Oregon for college. Uh, you've been in Salem since 2012, graduated from Corbin University in 2016 with degrees in creative writing and journalism. You went on to get a master's of fine arts in novel writing, speculative fiction from Southern New Hampshire University. You married Emily Abbey in 2019, the daughter of the Sean Abbey. I know Sean. Mm-hmm. He's a good guy. He's who founded great. Abbey Carpet Care here in Salem. You guys have a two-year-old son named Malcolm and one kid on the way. Uh, boy or girl, do you know? We don't know yet. We'll find out later this month. Is it possible you'd never just, just wait till the baby came out? And There's no way no ever way. we would do that. We are people who like to make plans. We want to be prepared. Okay, uh, that's fair. Yeah. Uh, and you said you don't know yet. Yeah, we'll find out this month okay. in January. Have you guys already started working on like names? Uh, yeah. Emily has names already picked out and I have uh, seeded the conversation to once we know the gender. So that way the argument gets cut in half. Okay. Hey, smart man. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. Okay. You've worked at Liberty House since December of 2017. And uh, we're going to go really into deep detail on that. Just I want to hear more about that. Yeah. And now the director of the community engagement team, your hobbies include theater, sports, 
storytelling, video games, reading. So we have lots to talk about. Mm. Um, sports. What, what's what's your favorite uh, sport? Let's go. Just talk about that real quick before we dive into the heavy stuff. Well, favorite to watch or favorite to play? It's different. You pick. Favorite to watch would be soccer. And for those uh, Oregon listeners here, I'm unfortunately a Washington person, so uh, big Sounders fan. Uh, and then to play, I would say volleyballs, just okay. tons of fun. Yeah. Uh, I wish that when I was in high school that there was a men's volleyball team. I would have loved to do that. Okay. Good for you. So you grew up in Ritten, Washington. Just take us back to where you grew up. How did your parents impact who you are today? And then we're going to hear the stories about college, how you got to Salem, how you met Emily, because there are some good stories there. So go. Yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah, I grew up in uh, Renton, Washington. It's on the bottom end of Lake Washington. It's where Boeing headquarters is yeah. and uh, Seahawks practice fields. And it was a really, really wonderful place. The The climate of Renton feels a lot like Salem, uh, both weather-wise and just what the town size and feel is like. Uh, it Being here and there, they remind me of home, both of them. Interesting. Uh, so got I have two amazing parents, uh, really, really wonderful childhood, getting to grow up, uh, going to school, doing lots of things. Uh, I was the type of person who wanted to do absolutely everything that was available. Uh, when I was like four years old and we went to the park one day, there were a ton of like kids soccer games going on. And I just ran up and was like, I, I was crying on the playground because I was like, I want to play. And so my parents just went around and found me a team and I jumped in that day. And that's kind of been the story of, of my life is just every time I see something, I want to do it. Um, so I was in journalism. I was in uh, student leadership. I did every single sport that my parents will let me play, which pretty much excluded uh, football and any of those contact sports I could get injured in. Um, but yeah, basketball, baseball, soccer, uh, swimming, uh, tennis, volleyball, really Whoa. just loved doing ab absolutely everything. Uh, I'd get plenty overwhelmed all the time. Yeah. Uh, Is doing... that the kind of guy you are? You just go, 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 go and overwhelm yourself? I've tried to be more mature okay. uh, since, you know, getting married. I've wanted to be able to focus yeah. and not. Uh, you know, help at home and yeah. really give my wife and child all the attention that they deserve. And um, so I've been more careful in recent years of not doing absolutely everything I want to do. Um, but yeah, that's that's kind of been who I've been okay. most of my life is every single thing that I see. I imagine myself in the shoes of whoever's doing it and I want to go do those things. I think that's great. Uh, is your parents still in Renton? They are still in Washington. They've moved to a different town called Black Diamond and okay. they're just counting the days till they can retire and Man. and move somewhere new. That's cool. What are the um, things you learn from your parents, you know, that you want to instill in your kids and mm. how, you know, having your marriage as well? And by the way, how, how old are you? I'm 30. 30 years old. Okay. Been married for how long? This is our fifth year. Okay. It'll be five years in uh, in the summer. Yeah. So yeah. What, what are the lessons mom and dad taught you? Yeah, uh, my dad was a really, really strong spiritual leader for us uh, in our family. He, uh, neither of my parents really grew up Christian, mm -hmm. uh, and my dad became a Christian the same year that I was born. And so he has done a lot of pioneering for our family, a lot of building uh, what a family should be uh, from scratch. And, you know, it's been messy plenty of times, but I am incredibly grateful and feel very blessed to have had his leadership uh, and inspiration as I become a man and start leading my family and try to be a strong uh, foundation for everyone who works hard and has Christ at the center of everything. Hmm. And then my mom is just the most lovely, wonderful person. She really cares uh she was always the one who would help me when I was feeling really overwhelmed growing up. She'd be up, help me staying up all night, completing a school project that I was in tears that I'm not going to get it done and I'm going to get a failing grade. And uh, she'd be there to help. She she uh, is really, really smart. She's where, you know, I get a lot of the fun uh, 
strategy games and uh, reading. She's an avid reader. So uh, a lot of that side I get from her. Gotcha. Do, uh, Jonathan, do you, do you have any siblings? I do. I have a sister. A okay. Sister. Older or younger? Younger sister. Younger. So you're the firstborn. I am. Okay. I love studying firstborns and secondborns. I'm a secondborn. Mm. Uh, Emily, is she a firstborn or secondborn? She's a secondborn. Yeah. So typical is, I'm not saying it's 100% always, but what I've learned is that firstborns typically marry secondborns. Typically. I'm not saying really firstborns don't always, can't marry firstborns, but it's, it's typical because marriage, you need somebody that's actually different than you. You wouldn't want to marry you, mm-hmm. right? So as a firstborn, you remind me of like my, in a way, my firstborn daughter who was up all night in school and trying to get straight A's and just doing everything. You know, it sounds like that's what you were about as well. Oh, yeah. So your mom and dad, was your was your dad a firstborn, secondborn? What's that? What's the birth order there? Well, an interesting thing is uh, they're both twins. So that's a fun little wrinkle that we have. I've never heard this one. Okay, yes. Good. Yeah. Um, my dad is the firstborn of three and he and his brother are identical twins. Yeah. And then my mom is, I guess, the last born of three, but her and her brother who came second uh, are fraternal twins. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. It's been lots of fun. I've told my wife when she was getting pregnant, I was like, you better be prepared. (laughs) (laughs) Twins are coming, man. There's something that runs in the line here. (laughs) Holy cow. That is interesting. I've never heard that before. Yeah. Very cool. Well, I love that. Well, how did you navigate your way down to Salem? I know there's a story in here. Yeah, there, there is. Um, it's really funny. I did all kinds of, uh, you know, college level courses in high school. I was um, getting as many advanced classes through as I could. I pretty much was a year ahead when I was going to go into college. I could have finished in three years. And there were lots of, you know, my teachers encouraged me to apply to different schools all across the country. And growing up, I always wanted to be at like a D1 school and get to go to all the cool sports games and uh, be in the in those you know, big waters. And as I went through, you know, my senior year of high school, my priorities really shifted and I understood more of what I really wanted. And mm-hmm. what I really wanted was a community where I could fit in mm-hmm. and uh, grow to be the person I wanted to be, uh, more so than gain all of the academic knowledge that I wanted. I didn't necessarily know what I wanted to study. I didn't have a really clear academic path. Um, and so to me, what mattered most was a place with the right culture, a place where um, I'd be able to make friends who'd last the rest of my life mm. uh, and people who were similar to me where I wasn't you know, in the party crowd, I wasn't doing a lot of drinking. And uh, in high school, that left me on the outside of most situations. And yeah. I wanted to be a place where that was the norm. And so I ended up only applying to one school that um, just captured everything that I wanted. Hmm. And that was Corbin University here in Salem. Crazy. And uh, go, if I were to go back, I'd make the exact same choice. It was absolutely wonderful. Hmm. Um, everything that I hoped, uh, it was more than uh, more than I had, could have hoped for getting to go and uh, be in a Christ-focused community. Hmm. Um, everyone who goes to the school gets to graduate with a Bible minor. And getting to have that in-depth knowledge where um, this is something that I really believe in. It's not just something I'm raised in. It's not just something that uh, is the pattern of my life. It's something that I've gone out and chose and mm. delved into and learned more. Um, that was all crucial. And then I have those friends who will be friends for my entire life. And I even got to marry someone I met there. So so cool. Yeah, really amazing. When do you When did you accept Christ? When did you become a believer? That's hard for me to say. Growing up uh, in a Christian home, going to church, it was just always a thing. Yeah, I would say that it really became mine probably my junior year in high school. That's yeah. when I got baptized um, at church camp in the summer yeah. uh, out here in Lincoln City no kidding. in the ocean. Uh, that was just awesome. And that was that was part of what led me to want to have that Christian community was those church camps were the best weeks of my entire life Mm. growing up. I absolutely loved them. That was where I knew that 
I was who I truly was and, you know, just had the best time of my life. Did your parents have to encourage you to go or did you automatically want to go? Oh, I demanded to go. <laughs> this was, uh, again, this was who I was. If I saw something that I wanted, I really wanted to go. But this was one that thankfully, uh, even though it was a bit expensive, my parents prioritized it and made it possible for me to go every single summer, every single winter. I wanted to go mm. every single time I could. So is that going to be something you'll encourage your kids to do and to go to oh, church yeah. camps and mission yeah. trips or whatever? And I hope that I'll be able to go serve. Even after I graduated, I came back for several summers and would come and be a leader and help uh, in junior high and high school. Um, and that was lots of fun. And I'd love to get back to doing that when, mm. when my kids are that age. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you went to Corbin. Uh, you met a girl. Yep. Tell us about that story. So central to all of this is um, among all those sports and other activities, the theater was a central part of my life. Um, I did lots of theater growing up in church. And then when I got to high school, um, did a play every year, um, had lots and lots of fun. And my senior year, I got to be Romeo in Romeo and Juliet. And that was enormous fun. I loved Shakespeare. And uh, when I went to college, I didn't know what I was going to do. I didn't know if I was going to lean into sports or lean into theater or leadership or what was it going to be. Turns out I did a little bit of everything. But on the first day on campus, getting moved in, I saw a poster for um, auditions for Macbeth. And I was like, another Shakespeare? Heck yeah, I'm going to go do that. That's awesome. Um, so auditioned for Shakespeare. And in the auditions, we were all getting placed and seeing uh, who we were going to get paired with and uh i got cast as malcolm which is a little bit of our son's namesake i was gonna say I, uh, that name sounds familiar yes and then uh emily got cast as donald bain who in our version of the play uh were brother and sister and so within the first week of my time at corbin emily had sent me a message on facebook and said hey brother and uh that is how we got started as brother and sister. That's funny. Uh, and that we connected really well. We were in every scene together. We were off stage all the time together and uh, really, really had a wonderful time getting to know each other. Uh, we clicked immediately. And by, you know, the middle of the spring, uh, we were always told by our director, please do not start or end relationships during plays because those are things that derail the whole production. We did not listen. Uh, we started uh, in the middle of the spring play uh, officially dating and uh, we dated for a long time. We dated all the way through getting into the summer, going into our senior year. And this was the time that there's a thing at Corbin called Ring by Spring. And there's a bit of an expectation that by the time it's uh, spring of your senior year, you have a ring on your finger. And I was facing that reality and panicking. Pressure, man. And I was not ready. I knew that I was selfish. I uh, wasn't ready to commit to something like marriage. I wasn't um, a good enough boyfriend. I wouldn't have made good husband material and um, made the heartbreaking choice that summer to uh, break up with Emily. That was extremely traumatic uh, for her. Um, and to this day, I still feel awful for her having to go through that, um, especially because her parents were going through splitting up at the same time. And for me to not be there to support her was... Um, just terrible. And I knew all of this and I knew all of this context, but I was convinced that this was the move I had to make that would be right for both of us. And then uh, going into our senior year, we got cast as the romantic leads in another Shakespeare, Much Ado About Nothing, which if you don't know the play, uh, Beatrice and Benedict have uh, their history is that they had a thing together and then had a messy breakup. And then by the end of the play, they get back together. Sounds very familiar. Yeah, so uh, it didn't have happen exactly like it happened in the play for us, but it did force us to uh, settle our differences and come to an understanding and be amicable around each other really quickly. Um, and we even had a stage kiss during the play, and uh, lots of people in the crowd would 
we, you know, when our families came, they would hear people gossiping around them of, did you know they were dating? Did you know that all this background happened? Um, Cause you know, just by us being in theater a lot, we were somewhat on a stage on campus yeah. of uh, our relationship. We were pretty well known. And so there, there was lots of drama there. Um, but anyway, we just got back to being friends and then by the time we graduated, um, we were planning to go our separate ways and our separate ways happened to take us both back to the Seattle area. Uh, she went to go work at a theater, um, do professional improv. And, uh, I went back home to figure out what in the world I was going to do with my mm. life. And then that happened for a year. And then we, uh, found ourselves both moving back down to Salem at the same time. I got the opportunity to go be an adjunct professor at Corbin, um, which I was very grateful for that opportunity. And um, yeah, then after some things progressed, I got uh, more stabilized in a job uh, at Liberty House. I started seeing myself as, okay, I have a direction. I have a future. I, I don't like being alone after college, I really would like to have someone. And I always had a thought in the back of my mind of Emily and I were great. We would continue to be great, but I don't want to just go back to her because she's a fallback option. I want her to be my number one option. And so I spent a lot of time evaluating, looking at other women, uh, wanting to uh, just think through who should be the person that I marry. And Inevitably, I kept saying, this person isn't as good as Emily. This person isn't as good as Emily. And it got to the point where I'm like, Emily's just the one who's right for me. Mm. Uh, she was always the perfect match, even back when we were in college. And I was just a bit too young and immature and uh, wasn't ready at that time. And when I got to the place where I really, really wanted marriage and I really, really wanted her, um, we got back together. Uh, Right before we did another play out at Pinnacle Theater, uh, Dracula, that was lots of fun. And then we got married, and now we've been married for almost five years. That's incredible. That's, that's a great story. You know, I, I think there's a saying that says, if you love something, let it go. If it comes back to you, it's yours. seems like this whole story, God's fingerprint was all over it. Like, you moved to Seattle, she moved to Seattle. Mm -hmm. You guys both moved down here. Like, it was meant to be. Absolutely. Do you feel like that at all? Yeah, absolutely. And I think uh, more than just God working in my heart and molding me into the person who's who was ready for marriage, he put a lot in her where she had that mindset that you just talked about, which was she was still in love with me. She wanted to be with me and did not want to break up. And uh, she showed tremendous maturity mm. in letting me go and um, always um was very prayerful about it and uh gave me all the space that i needed and um gave herself the space to uh live her own life and pursue what she wanted to pursue and um just trusted god that he would take care of her and lo and behold three years after we broke up we got back together yeah aren't you just grateful though yes. god made it all work out and God matured you in a way that maybe you didn't know you needed to be matured in. Yes, absolutely. I, think, I mean, I'm a guy, so I, I I think guys mature a lot slower than the women. Yeah. And uh, I don't know if we're afraid of commitment or if it's lack of maturity. I always ask the question because I don't know, but I totally get where you're coming from. Yeah. So, okay. So you guys get married. You guys get married here in Salem or in yeah. uh, Washington? Yeah. I got married here in Salem out at Illahi Country Club. Uh, it was a beautiful summer day, uh, 80 degree weather, and we had ice cream instead of cake and uh, so much fun. It was one of the best days of our lives. And then we went off to Hawaii and had an awesome honeymoon. And now we're living in South Salem. There you go. Do you guys have like a, I don't know about you, but my wife and I, when we got married, I just said, hey, in 10 years, we're going to go on this amazing trip. I couldn't afford anything. And I thought, well, 10 years will give us enough time to figure something out. But do you have anything planned you know, oh gosh! Any future vision of where she would want to go? Where do you guys want to go together? Oh, Emily has loads of those visions. Yeah. She wants to do a big East Coast trip. Um, we'd love to do uh, something out in Europe at some point. Um, 
that's like she loves traveling, going places, and uh, we're definitely in the time of our lives where we have to stay put more often and can't do a ton of those big travels. Yeah. But uh, we absolutely will, um, and she's got a lot of a lot of dreams that I'm happy to encourage. There you go. That's good. Well, marriage is uh, it's fun, it's challenging, humbling. When did you guys decide you want to have kids? When did that, did that happen right away? Was that something you waited for? Yeah, we knew we wanted to take a little bit of time to let our marriage settle. Uh, and then we got married in 2019. And then within a year, it was COVID. Yeah. So that, that in a way, was a lot of fun. We had to figure out how to bond when stuck at home so much. Uh, it, I think it accelerated a lot of things, yeah. us like being at home right. for months together. Uh, and then, yeah, we... Uh, Got to the point where she really wanted to have a kid. And I was like, I'm ready when you're ready. So I'm sure there was yeah. quite an influx of babies coming out in about nine months from when COVID <laughs> started. Yeah. So, yeah. When everyone's huh. locked up together. Yeah. Might as well have some kids. Yeah. So, well, cool. Well, how has, uh, I know marriage has changed your life and it's definitely, you know, we're, we're self-centered people. We, we all are, but specifically you and I, cause we're here. Mm -hmm. Can't talk about our wives cause they're not here. <laughs> How how does having kids also help you recognize you're here to serve them first before you serve you? What's that look like? Because you said Malcolm wakes you up between six thirty mm -hmm. and seven. I love that, by the way. I think it's that's awesome. Yep. It's not about you, man. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, initially getting married, there's a lot of like how much of my old life, my bachelor life continues into marriage? Uh, how much do I still go hang out with the guys? How much do I still do things like play video games or stuff that's on my own? Uh, and as we, you know, work through that early marriage, it's like, oh, a lot of these things that take me away are a problem. Like these were things that fed me during a really important time of my development. And now I need to be there uh, for my wife so that we can grow together. Uh, and build a really strong foundation for our early marriage. And having kids just multiplies that times 10, where uh, especially for her, like having to go through pregnancy, having to go through that early motherhood with a newborn uh, was really traumatic and difficult. Um, going through that the first time uh, it brought up a lot of past trauma um, from her childhood and that was where it became really clear that this needed to be my number one. Mm. This needed to be the biggest thing that I'm here to help support her uh, to make those those early difficult days as, as comfortable as possible. A lot of that has to revolve around sleep where she has a really, she has insomnia sometimes and has a really hard time with sleep. And in those early baby days where you have to wake up and mm. breastfeed every three hours or four hours, it's, that's, really hard. And so um, I tried to lean in and take as much of the sleep difficulty as I could away uh, uh, for myself instead of her. Because I've always been a really easy sleeper. I could lay down and fall asleep in five minutes. Love it. Yeah. Yeah. So um, yeah, I think that that's been one of the biggest thing that that's molded me is understanding where my priorities really are and where I need to invest my heart and my time uh, and my effort. And it's also really helped me refine my leisure and hobbies because in the past I have all kinds of things that I do and want to pursue and I jump from thing to thing. Uh, but now I've got time for like one thing. I can do one thing at a time and all the rest needs to go to other stuff. And uh, in the past that those things might not be productive, they might not be fruitful. And I've had to be a lot more intentional about when I'm resting, it needs to be fruitful rest. Mm. It can't just be wasteful rest, which nowadays looks a lot like scrolling on your phone or watching YouTube all day long or for, you know, just sitting on the couch doing nothing. It's got to be more productive. It's got to be more purposeful yeah. um, with an intention to, uh, rejuvenate myself because my energy and effort will be needed. Um, I can't afford to not take care of myself because uh, I need to be there for them. How, so how do you, when you say rest, you know, fruitful rest, what does that mm -hmm. look like when you unpack that? Like, what do you do? Yeah. You sleep, so, you, good what, question. What are you doing? Good question. Uh, 
I would say last summer, maybe two summers ago, I made a really concerted effort to filter what media I was consuming. Uh, a lot of it was, you know, just endless scrolling stuff or um, mindless YouTube videos that I could watch all day long. And I tried to substitute that with uh, uh, the Bible Project podcast, like that one. which was has been amazing. That there's been so much depth and learning. And for me as a storyteller, uh, so inspiring to see the amount of uh, depth and uh, meaning that can be woven into the words of the Bible. Mm. Um, because there's so much more than you just initially see when you read an English translation. There's so much in the ancient Hebrew and Greek and wordplay and metaphor and themes and motifs that stretch all the way along through history. And that's been one example of how I've been mm. trying to, okay, I'm still going to rest and sit on the couch and relax, or I'm still going to be driving to work and driving home. But instead of letting my mind go onto wasteful things, it's onto something that's purposeful, yeah. it's enriching, it's m giving me more knowledge, more wisdom, and uh, makes me feel good when yeah. I'm done with it, rather than just feel like a slob. Like you need to take a nap or something. Yeah. No, I, th I think that's good. I, in the Bible Project, it does make sense that you would like that. Uh, do you, uh, are you are you reading through the Bible in a year? Is that because there's a a plan out there where you can they play the Bible Project um, video for that chapter, whether it's Ephesians or whatever? Yeah, Is that what that, you do. Or I've done that before, and uh, it was wonderful getting to read through the Bible. I've done that a few times now, and I think that's utterly critical. What I'm exploring now is what are different ways to engage. I think that there's multiple ways like that the world presents us and that God presents us to engage with him, whether that's worship, whether that's community, whether that's, you know, studying academically, um, whether that's uh, just being in the word and letting that restore and rejuvenate your daily life. So right now, uh, one of the things that I'm trying to do is, uh, my dad set a great example of he always read his Bible every morning, mm. uh, and he'd do that in his private space. And I'm already anticipating when my kids are teenagers and they're asking me, what do I do to uh, understand God and how do I make this feel real and not just something I'm forced to do. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to say, read your Bible on your own. And so I want to instill that vision for them now. And so when Malcolm wakes me up in the morning, one of my goals for this year is when he's doing a bit of his morning routine, I'm going to be sitting on the couch next to him with a Bible open. And he's already started to notice that. And he one morning, uh, a couple weeks ago, he went and got a little kid's Bible that we have for him. And he's like, Bible story, Bible story. And he, he didn't stick with it very long. He's doesn't quite have he's the two. attention span. Yeah, right, yeah. yeah. But, um, at least him seeing, Oh, this is a Bible and this is the practice of opening it every morning. Yeah. Um, so that way he just intuitively understands that this is what you do. Dude, that's a beautiful picture, by the way. Really incredible. Thank you. Uh, your kids oftentimes, I've said this a, a million times, they won't necessarily listen to what you say, but they will almost always do what you do. They'll mimic you. Yeah. That, he's doing that at two. I know. I'm astounded by how fast that happens. And so that's put some pressure on me of, okay, I need to show him who I want him to be. When I imagine him as an adult and I imagine him being successful and thriving, what are the things that he's doing? Mm -hmm. I need to do those things now. Uh, so that means being less on my phone. Yeah. It means uh, being in the Bible in front of him. It means reading books. It means playing and engaging with things with your hands. Uh, and I'm not nearly as successful as I'm making it sound right now. Sound pretty good to me. Uh, but... Those are at least things that I'm thinking a lot about and I want to build, start building now as we're expecting another kid here soon. And Malcolm's just so dang smart uh, mm. and it catches me off guard and I need to be ready for him to That's really great. be understanding what's going on around him. Wow. Well, we could talk about family for a long time because I, I love family. I love kids. I think it's, I think you're doing a great job. No, no parent's perfect, but the fact are that you're trying to model 
uh, what you want his life to be like, but you have to be the one that shows him. And you can't fake that. Yeah. You can fake it for a day, but can you fake it for a year or a life? So just keep doing what you're doing. Hey, let's dive into Liberty House. Yeah. Let's hear more about what is Liberty House? Why do you work there? What do you do? And why is it important? And how how is it impacting our community? Yeah. Well, first I'll say when I started at Liberty House, I didn't know anything about it. I was a kid coming out of college who needed a job to pay the bills, signed up with a temp agency, and they're like, hey, here's this uh here's this company that needs you to do a magazine for them. I'm like, yeah, I can do that. No problem. And I signed on as a temp with them. And this was at the same time that I was adjuncting at Corbin. And I found out that, holy smokes, this organization's incredible. Uh, this work is incredible. And I love what I'm doing here. And so I decided to shift my focus to, to Liberty House. And thankfully, they uh, appreciated what I was doing and kept me on full time. And um what Liberty House is, is Marion and Polk County's Children's Advocacy Center. There's 24 or so advocacy centers throughout the state of Oregon and like 600 or maybe even 900. There's a whole lot across the country. Okay. But uh, we are the designated one for Marion and Polk counties providing assessments for uh, concerns of abuse and neglect and then therapy for... Uh, people who've gone through or children who've gone through uh, abuse, neglect, trauma, and grief. And then we also offer prevention trainings to help educate the community to uh, stop child abuse before it happens mm. because it is largely preventable and we can get in front of this and stop it from happening. Uh, and so those are the three main things that Liberty House is about. Uh, it's about providing children and families a, a safe place that they can go to to share their experience and be heard and to have a whole team of people in the community rally around them, give them support, give them guidance on what to do next. And, you know, in cases where there is found to be abuse and that's a criminal problem, uh, being able to partner with law enforcement, with the district attorney's office, with uh, DHS uh, to help help that child's situation be made safe. Mm. Uh, we are completely neutral in all of that. We don't make any decisions. What we're there is to provide medical assessments uh, with a special focus on recognizing and diagnosing abuse injuries, uh, and then providing forensic interviews uh, with specially trained interviewers that help children all the way from age you know, birth to 18, uh, mm -hmm. be able to express themselves when there's some, uh, sometimes things that have happened to them that are unbearable to say out loud. Uh, and so sometimes that means being able to draw it with pictures or write it down or uh, use a uh, mannequin or a doll to show what happened to them we are able to cater to that child's specific needs yeah. and help them exactly how they need to be helped. Yeah. And we give lots of time and space for them to do what's comfortable for them. Uh, instead of going to a doctor's office where they're trying to get in and out as fast as they can, we give them our an entire space just for them for you know up to four hours for that whole assessment to go or longer if needed. Yeah. Uh, and if they're not ready when they come to us, uh, to share, then uh, we're happy to have them back again. But our goal is to make it as comfortable where they only have to share their story one time. And then everyone who needs to jump into action and help them is able to do so and has all the information they need. Who who brings you this child that's, let's say, a five-year-old is being abused at home? Mm -hmm. Does this kid go into foster care? How does that all partner together? That's where yeah, so we're a bit earlier in the process, ideally. Uh, we coordinate with DHS and with law enforcement, and they refer uh, cases for investigation toward us. Okay. Uh, when someone makes like a, a report to the child abuse hotline, uh, which if you ever need it, you can easily Google Oregon child abuse hotline, uh, they'll get... Uh, heard through DHS. Mm -hmm. And then when DHS has an investigation, they'll refer them to us. Uh, when they're 
like going to a doctor's office or something gets reported maybe at school or you know someone sees a suspicious injury uh, there's a law in Oregon that says that we need to see suspicious injuries within 48 hours to do what's called a Carly's law assessment uh, which that's named after uh, a young girl who uh, died from abuse injuries because they were not assessed in time and mm. uh, and so we provide a lot of those. Uh, we coordinate with local hospitals, with medical providers, and uh, we want to take as much of that important responsibility off of people who aren't experts at handling it. We are the trauma experts in our community, and we want to provide that resource just like you have a uh, first aid kit or a fire extinguisher or an AED that are emergency services that you need to have when you need them yeah. you hope you never use them yeah. but you need to have them that's what we are for this community so you get alerted uh maybe a 10 year old boy or girl being abused you guys send a team from liberty house to that home how does that how does great that intervention question. go Great question. So the going out into homes, that's more of a DHS side of the thing. Okay. So what we provide is the location where all of the other partners can come to uh, and be a part of an assessment. So we are able to schedule. Um, we have two wings at our main campus here in North Salem. We have another uh, wing at our campus in West Salem. And then we are in the process of opening a whole new campus up in Woodburn right now to better serve that peripheral North Marion County. Uh, we want to make our services as accessible as possible. Uh, so we have a real heart for uh, Polk County out, you know, Dallas and the surrounding areas up in the canyon. Uh, we know it's hard for some people to make it all the way here to Salem. And so uh, we're really wanting to uh, continue growing and make ourselves more accessible for those people. But yeah, we're like the central point where everyone comes to. Uh, we have daily meetings with the critical team members that include, you know, DHS, law enforcement, the district attorney's office, and others uh, to be able to schedule appointments, get people in, uh, be able to identify what immediate action needs to happen when that's the case, uh, and just keeping that whole system as as well oiled a machine as possible because it's such a sensitive issue Holy. and we aren't perfect. Nobody's perfect. And in a lot of ways, uh, the system has flaws, but we try to make the absolute best we can. Yeah. And we have one of the best models of an MDT multidisciplinary team in the state, if not the country, uh, we're being referenced by a lot of other CACs for how we run things, how our policies work, uh, so that we can be used as a model to help others. Yeah. Couple of questions. Um, what is your specific job title? What do you do? And then how many kids a day is it like, hey, DHS is bringing over a child or a different agency? How many kids go through this on a daily basis that you guys would see? Yeah. Uh, I'll separate, I'll ask, answer the second one first. Um, it varies by year. Uh, when, and especially, you know, COVID was a great example. When folks are, and kids are stuck at home, they're not as exposed to a lot of the caring adults that they would see in their daily lives uh, that are outside their home or outside whatever their uh, situation that they're stuck in. And, uh, that means that there's less reports. So like during the winter holidays, during mm. the summer, reports can decrease during those times. And then when school's back in, we tend to see a lot more uh, reports and investigations going on. That's not always the case, but in general, that's some of the flow. Um, so to say what happens daily, it really depends on the day and the time of year and just how things are going. Uh, but annually, we will see, you know, upwards of eight to 900, uh, even a thousand kids in a year when we're really uh, going at full speed. And um, there's something like over 1400 
1,500 confirmed cases of a of child abuse, confirmed victims of abuse in Marion and Polk counties every year. And so we want to see as many of those kids as possible to help them as best we can. Uh, and then across all, you know, if we include our therapy services, we're serving over a thousand kids every year. And uh, that doesn't include the thousands of people that we're training for prevention uh, every year. Hmm. So our services have a hand in uh, helping thousands of people every year. A lot of, a lot of kids being abused. I wonder if uh, abuse goes up when kids are stuck at home and, you know, two parents maybe are stuck at home during COVID, during the holidays. I w- I'm curious if abuse does increase during those times. What we saw was an increase in severity. When there was so much societal turmoil, when everyone went through the trauma of the lockdowns and COVID and a pandemic that we didn't understand, that stressed everyone. Mm -hmm. And when that stress grows societally, unfortunately, it gets taken out on the kids. And so we saw a massive increase in the severity of kids, even down to young babies. It was really heartbreaking to see uh, the degree to which that affected our community and how that how it played out you know, from what we were able to see in our, in our doors. Wow. It's hard to hear. Yeah. But that's why we're here. And, uh, the message that we always want to say is, uh, you can heal from anything and us, uh, Liberty house, our partners, uh, the people who support us, the regular community members who are donors, our volunteers, we're all part of this amazing, amazing mission that is changing hurt into hope for so many kids Mm. every single year. Uh, Liberty House is in our 25th anniversary here uh, this year, and we're really excited about that. And we've seen some 15,000 kids in that time. And while that's heartbreaking in one sense, it's also incredibly encouraging in Mm -hmm. another sense because uh, we, for example, just had an amazing mother speak at our luncheon back in September, and she had used our services as a child. Yeah. And I was there. Yeah, yeah. So that story was incredible. Getting to hear how Liberty House impacted her, helped give her and her family support to put her in a safe place and help uh give her childhood back. And now she's a mom and is building a wonderful future for her children and a wonderful home for them. And that's the whole goal of what we're all about Mm -hmm. is generational change, uh, helping families. Because when, you know, abuse happens to someone, that's a script that's been written into their body and into their mind. And it's hard to break that cycle sometimes. And so we want to break that cycle and help create healthy generations for the future. Yeah. Tell me what your job title is. And then we're going to wrap up here in just a moment. I want to make sure that everybody who's listening can get the information about Liberty House, either how to partner with, uh, financially support, come to the events. So yeah, what do you do? And then how do people connect with you or Liberty House? Yeah, awesome. So I am the Director of Development and Community Engagement at Liberty House. And basically what that means is I get to be on the very fun team that gets to go out and engage with the community and engage with people who love making their community a better place. Mm. It's a wonderful job. I get to meet so many wonderful people. And uh, we we can't do this alone. We need the community to come and support us. Uh, we're not, you know, fully funded by the state we get about a third of our income from the state about a th- or from from government grants we get about a third from uh what billing we are able to do uh because all of our services in our clinic are free to the family we can bill insurance when they have it but uh otherwise we don't charge copay we don't charge anything mm-hmm. if they don't have insurance we still see them and help them uh and then the last third of our income is people like you and me supporting because we care and we want to help those kids. So uh, I love getting to meet the people throughout this community who have that heart and who want to make a difference. That's been incredibly encouraging to me, especially through COVID where so much of the view of our society was how broken it is and how uh, stressed and traumatized we are. 
And I get to see the community from a whole different lens, which is look at all these people who are investing and who are making a difference and who are changing the world uh, day by day. So for people who want to get involved like that, check out our website at libertyhousecenter.org. There's all kinds of different information about our services there. Uh, if you have any concerns and need help, there's resources mm -hmm. for you. Uh, there are volunteer areas with events, with uh, helping kids in our when they're in for appointments, uh, our, we have a children's garden where we want to keep it beautiful all year round for children in therapy and come in uh, for their assessments to have a beautiful space for them. We need lots of help taking care of our garden. Uh, we've got many events that we need sponsors for, so businesses or individuals who want to get involved in that. Uh, and then, yeah, more information for supporting financially or supporting however works for each individual. Mm. Uh, not everyone can support the same way. And we want to provide an avenue for everyone who wants to get involved to get involved as best they can. Yeah. Wow. Sounds like there's plenty of opportunity to be involved with Liberty House for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Well, hey, we're going to wrap up, but uh, I mean, I know there were some things we wanted to talk about uh, and maybe we'll have to do, do another podcast at some point in time down the road, but anything you want to wrap up with any, any, uh, maybe to lighten the mood a little bit, cause that's, that's heavy. What we just went yeah. through. Uh, what, uh, as a family, what do you guys do for fun together? I know you like to read mm -hmm. and write and do lots of things, but together as a family with Malcolm, what do you guys, what do you guys do? Yeah. Uh, my wife's amazing at going out and, uh, taking us to all kinds of fun things. Uh, we love being members at the Gilbert house, uh, getting to go to OMSI. Yeah. Uh, go into the park when the weather's nicer. Um, where, uh, she teaches swim lessons at courthouse fitness and has lots of, lots of fun getting to, uh, take Malcolm in the water. She has a long swim background, so yeah. we love to go swimming when we can. Uh, so all kinds of stuff like that. We have lots of wonderful friends that we like to go on play dates with. So we really appreciate our community yeah. here in this area. Well, sounds like you guys are really plugged in. That's awesome. Uh, really happy to hear that. Just keep keep doing that. You know, keep serving your family and keep plugging in for sure. Well, hey, Jonathan, it's been a pleasure just chatting with you. Um, really impacting, you know, the life, marriage, and Liberty House. So great job, by the way. Thank you. Um, and thank you to all who listen each week. We really hope that you get a lot out of uh, this this message that Jonathan shared. You know, just about the Liberty House and how you can get involved. We'd love to hear from you and I hope it impacts you. Please uh, subscribe and share. Thanks so much. Thank you all for taking the time each week to be encouraged, challenged, and loved. Remember what Jesus said? I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. My hope and prayer is that you believe the words of Jesus. We'll see you next week. Thanks so much.